Okay, so listen, I have to tell you, it has been a weird week. Uh, because that was the first sort of strange thing. And Jill has been looking at me all this week, and she said, are you, are you okay? And, and I don't know, maybe, maybe it's just Christmas. You know, maybe, maybe it's just, you know, just the holiday season. You know, maybe you get to this time of year, you just need a break. You just need a little bit of rest. And, uh, and I had that this week. But uh, guys, I, I did something that was really out of character. It was really strange. And I, I have to make a confession to you. I watched an entire Hallmark made-for-TV Christmas movie by myself, <laughs> guys, on purpose. And I have to be honest with you, it's not, it's not even, it, it gets worse, because Joe came home from work, and she, she looks at me, and she's like, uh, I, I told her what I did, because I, I felt like I, I needed to confess. I needed to get it out there. So I looked at her, I said, Joe, here's what I did today. I just need you to be aware. So I watched an entire Hallmark made-for-TV Christmas movie by myself, and she looked at me. Guys, she had horror in her eyes. She looks at, what is wrong with you? And I said, I don't know. And I said, it's worse than that. It wasn't even Hallmark. It was on like the Great American Family Network. And I'm like, that's not even like good Hallmark. That's like sort of like JV Hallmark. My mom's judging me now, which is why I'll explain. This isn't my fault. I, I need to, before you start hard judging me, like I shouldn't be happening in this place. This is a safe place to be yourself. And I'm just confessing and being honest about something, but you're still hard judging me. Let me explain why this happened and why this is okay, all right? So here's the deal. A, a few months ago, we had switched our TV provider. We had YouTube TV, and we'd used that for a really long time. And then it became Pacer season. I couldn't see my beloved Pacers, and I was all upset and frustrated. I downloaded their sports app, tried to watch that. It's garbage. It would never work any night. And I'm like, I can't do this anymore. And Jill knows, I'll go to all kinds of lengths. Like when we lived out of state, like we canceled cable, and we ended up getting satellite because I'm like, I have to watch my pacers, like, that's my heart. And so, so you know, we, we decided we have to figure this out. So we changed providers. We, get, we got DirecTV Stream because they had the channel the pacers are on. I knew I could watch it. Everything would be great. So then I'm looking into it. And not only that, this was amazing. They let you share with household, other households even knowing it. Like, nobody else does this. I was like, now listen, I need to be honest with you. I'm a talking person. My, my mom lives down the street. Is it okay if she uses the login? They're like, Absolutely. Yeah, it's only a certain number. Anybody's like writing this down. They're all like, we're cutting cable. Like I'm going to direct, right? This is not a commercial for DirecTV. I'm just telling you. And so mom's down the street. So now she can watch her, the TV as well. She can watch Pacers. We can save a little bit of money. You know, it just works out super, super well. So we had switched. But the only problem was this. While this is great that we can all have the same TV package and share it and use it, they don't have individual profiles. So see, what happens then is, kind of like on Spotify or iTunes, if you shared that right, you'd see the last song somebody was listening to. You'd see all their awful playlists they have. You know, you'd, you'd be into all their stuff, right? And that's kind of difficult because here we are, we, we're sharing the, our favorited channels are on there, you know, all of the movies and stuff we record, all of this stuff. And I thought, oh, this is going to be kind of weird. But the weirdest part about it isn't just that, you know, you're kind of sharing a library and everything. We also share whoever watched the last thing, you turn on a new device, that last thing shows up. So my mom, when she turns on the TV, she might like turn on an episode of Seinfeld, 
Maybe she's gonna find some like old 80s movie. She might find like me rocking out to like 90s MTV videos. Like you just never know what's gonna come on TV. And obviously there's gonna be sports, right? So she might turn that on. Well, this week, the inverse happened. And I turned on the TV and my mother, who, guys, I love my mom. My mom, though, keeps Hallmark and keeps the Great American Family, which I think she's the one that keeps their ratings up. 24-7 Christmas made-for-TV movies. So I turn on the TV, and, you know, the first thing to pop up is Hallmark Channel Christmas movies. Now, again, you're like, well, Ryan, you could have turned the channel. You could have put something else on. Well, again, I wasn't feeling good. Started on Sunday, I had, had, had like a migraine, I came home, I was like, Jill, you do youth group, I'm going to go shut myself in the bedroom, I just need to, you know, just, just take a break. I got up the next day, I was still feeling kind of sluggish, and then Tuesday I was kind of like, oh, I still don't feel great, you know, I'm just going to take a sick day, I'm going to wrap up some blankets, I'm going to lay on the couch, and I'm going to watch a good Christmas movie. And I thought, I'll sit down, I'll watch Die Hard, maybe I'll watch Rambo, which by the way is a Christmas movie, there's, there's Christmas trees, I'm telling you, Rambo's Christmas movie, I'll watch one of my favorite Christmas movies, like Die Hard or Rambo, but instead, I laid down, I click it on, and guys, I saw the cinematic masterpiece that is a Merry Christmas wish. But then I thought to myself, well, I could turn this off, but then I needed to do a little research. I wanted to see, are these movies really, are they really as bad as everybody makes them out to be? Is the plot really always the same? And the answer, my friends, is yes. I don't want to ruin it for you, you know, just in case you haven't seen this movie, in case tonight, instead of watching Charlie Brown, you decide to watch Merry Christmas Wish. I don't want to ruin it for you, but I'm going to give you the story, the little background here. The story is that a woman who lives in a big city, she has to go home back to her small town. She gets to back to the small town, and she realizes everything that she thought she wanted in that big city all of the life that she thought she had built wasn't anything that she wanted. And back in that hometown, back in that little small town, she found peace and she found love. She found hope and she found purpose for her life. And I sat there and, you know, I just started the movie and I thought, no, this can't be that bad. And then, you know, you get an hour in and you say, I just can't stop watching. I have to know what's going to happen next. I mean, is she going to fall in love with the guy that's chopping wood at the farm? Absolutely she is, but you just never know. Is she going to leave the poor sap that lives in the big city that has worked so hard to plan this big vacation to Los Angeles for her for Christmas? You bet she's going to leave him, and you feel bad for him, but he's a good guy. He tells her, you go back to that small town, and you find your peace, and you find your hope, you find your love and you rebuild that winter fair. All right, I'm sorry. I told you it was really bad. But there's something, listen, there's something I learned, again, from my research. I didn't say I enjoyed the movie. I wasn't feeling great. It was taking a lot of energy to grab the remote and turn the channel, so I, I just left it. So, so here, here's what I discovered about this. I discovered, and I'm going, to take, I'm going to take the judgment because I think there's something here that we all connect to, and that's this. Every single one of us 
just like this character, has a tendency in our lives to fill our lives up with all kind of stuff that we think we need. All of us have a tendency to leave one kind of life that can provide us peace, can provide us hope, can give us life, and we all look and we all see a life that we think we need. We see busyness, we see stuff, we see all of these things like, like uh, success, and we look and we say, see, now that's what I think I need in my life. And so we make this trade. And we go on to this thing where we think we need all this stuff, but just like in these characters in these movies, we find ourselves longing for something different. We look and we think, well, I, I want that success, or I want that busyness in my life, or I think I need that sort of purpose. And all it does is it ends up providing us a bunch of anxiety. It ends up providing us all kinds of stress. It ends up making us feel like we don't really belong at all. And we end up finding ourselves that in those moments, we're lonely, we're stressed out, we're pushed to the edge, and we begin to long for something else. And I know it sounds corny, but that's what I find in these movies. And I wonder if there's a reason they're so popular at this time of year is that maybe at this time of year, we're a little more open to it. See, at this time of year, we're open to a little bit more nostalgia. We're open to the idea of going home, finding belonging. We're open to the idea of coming back and finding that sense of family and that sense of faith. So maybe it's nostalgia. Maybe it's the memories of being back with family back home. Maybe it's just time away from work, relaxing as the quiet rain falls. Whatever it is. Even amid all of the lights, the noise, right? Everything that goes on at Christmas, we still long to find ourselves singing Christmas carols in the candlelight and in the quiet. At Christmas, all the busyness, the success, the stuff just isn't as persuasive for us as a desire for peace and for hope. Now, it's really strange because it reminds me a lot of what happens at Thanksgiving. At Thanksgiving, we have this time where we celebrate like uh, the, the blessings we have in our lives. We look around a table filled with family and we say, this is enough for my life. And then we look over here and we come to, I said Black Friday, you know, a few days later, we begin to buy more stuff. We fill our lives with more stuff and we think we need more things. And so we go from giving thanks for what we have to wishing we have more. And I think, sadly, the same thing can happen to us right now. We can have this time where we're open to the idea that maybe what we don't need is more success. Maybe what we don't need, maybe we don't need more busyness. Maybe what we don't need is more stuff. But there is a temptation as we get through this week. As we begin to think about 2024, we begin to make all kinds of resolutions. And guys, I hope that our resolutions become things like, I hope that in this year, I find more hope in life. I hope as I enter 2024 that I find more peace in my life. I hope in 2024 that I take an opportunity to connect with other people. I hope that I create more family in my life this year. See, I hope that what happens is we leave this big town busyness attitude that we're so, um, so uh, given to, to take into our lives. And I hope that we don't just walk away from that, come into this place of sense of peace and hope, and then begin to look to next year and say, well, how can I fill it back up with all of that? 
How can I begin to make resolutions that say, maybe I can get more stuff or I can be more successful. Maybe I can be more busy this year with all of these things that I want to do. What if it looks like instead, my resolution is that I live out the peace and the hope that I found in these moments at Christmas? And so again, that, that's why I think these movies, as corny as they are, that's probably why they're so popular. Because there's a piece of us that says, I do want that in my life. I, I understand this character because I've lived too often like this. There's something about it when they look around and they say, I don't feel at home in the anxiety and the stress anymore. And I just want the peace that I found back home. I think all of us feel that way in some capacity. And I think all of us want that. So I get that, you know, maybe you'll be like, well, I'm not going to really watch one of those Christmas movies. I'm not really going to write, I'm not going to sit down and watch A Merry Christmas Wish and have it speak to you or speak to me the same way that it spoke to you. So here's what I want you to do instead. This morning, I want us to look at the Christmas story. Because as I started to sit on that couch and watch this movie, and I began to think about these things in my head, I realized that in the Christmas story, we find a really similar dichotomy taking place. We find this idea of this big city where all this energy is taking place. And then we see the story begin to drift to a small town where peace and hope is born. So maybe today, maybe you won't turn on one of those Christmas movies later, but will you listen to the Christmas story with me with that same mindset today? So let's turn to Luke chapter 2 and listen how this begins and, and watch the dichotomy of this take place. It says, In those days, Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. This was the first census that took place while Quirinus was governor of Syria. And everyone went to their own town to register. Now, this is really fascinating. The author of this, of this passage named Luke opens up this telling of the birth of Jesus in Rome. He, he doesn't start by, by talking about some of the different pieces that other people would have talked about. He doesn't open it up here. He doesn't say, well, here's this genealogy or here's this. He says, let me tell you about something that is happening in the biggest city in the entire world. He opens up in Rome, the most important city in the entire world, with this decree by the most important person in the entire world, Caesar Augustus. Caesar Augustus, the very first emperor of Rome. His name was actually Octavian, but after his great uncle Julius Caesar was assassinated, Octavian took on this name, Caesar Augustus. He became sort of a god, maybe what you would consider a son of a god, he, he had all this power. He had all this success. He was the greatest person on the planet. So as this story began to open, people would have looked and they would have said, of course this story opens up in Rome. Of course it opens up with Caesar Augustus. This is the most important person on the planet. He's got coins with his image on them. You know, he matters. He's a big deal. His power, his success, the strength of his armies had led everybody to what was called the Roman peace. So what everybody thought that they wanted in life, when they looked around and said, this is what life is supposed to look like, they would look and say that Rome, Caesar Augustus, all that power, all that success, all of that brought this. And so see, the story opens in a very similar way to that movie that I sat and watched. Here we open on this big city. Everything is perfect. 
The Roman peace is taking place. Success is found here. Strength is found here. Power is found here. But there's a tension. Something isn't right. Something's going on. Here was success. Here was wealth. Here was the center of life. And then we get a plot twist point. It says that Caesar Augustus issued a decree that a census should be taken of the entire Roman world. And it says that everyone went to their own town to register. And so what ends up happening is we have this big city. We have this decree by Caesar Augustus. We have all this success, all this power, all of this. The camera begins to pan away as he issues this decree. And it settles on this small town of Bethlehem, where the peace and hope we need is actually found. It says, So Joseph also went up from the town of Nazareth in Galilee to, to, to Judea, to Bethlehem, the town of David, because he belonged to the house and the line of David. So he goes home, goes back to his small town. It says, He went there to register with Mary, who was pledged to be married to him and was expecting a child. While they were there, the time came for the baby to be born. And she gave birth to her firstborn, a son. She wrapped him in cloths and placed him in a manger because there was no guest room available for them. And there were shepherds living out in the fields nearby, keeping watch over their flocks at night. An angel of the Lord appeared to them and the glory of the Lord shone around them. And they were terrified. But the angel said to them, do not be afraid. I bring you good news that will cause great joy for all the people. So again, the story opened up with the most important, the most important person in the biggest and most important of cities. But then it comes to this point with shepherds, the least important people you would ever find told to find the most important child ever in the quaint small town of Bethlehem. Goes on, he says, today, here's his great, here's his, here's his good news. He says, today, in the town of David, a Savior has been born to you. He is the Messiah, the Lord, and this will be a sign to you. You will find a baby wrapped in cloths and lying in a manger. And all of a sudden, the scene begins to change again. (laughs) So if you've been walking this with me, you can see this big city of Rome. You can see this decree read. You can see the screen wipe as we go into Bethlehem. We come out to these shepherds quietly watching their flock, and this angel coming to them, speaking this good news. In this small town just over the hills, you are going to find that the Messiah is born Then the screen erupts in music and bright light and these angels appear. And all of a sudden, suddenly this great company of the heavenly hosts appears at the angel, praising God and saying, glory to God in the highest heaven and on earth, peace to those on whom his favor rests. When the angels had left them and gone into heaven, the shepherds said to one another, let's go to Bethlehem. Let's see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has told us about. So they hurried off, and they found Mary and Joseph and the baby who was lying in the manger. And can you imagine this scene? 
And can you imagine just this whole thing sort of playing out this morning? I mean, it does kind of feel like a movie, doesn't it? But it's better than that because it actually happened. Jesus, the Savior of the world, was born in this small little town of Bethlehem. And you and I are invited to come and to see. We're invited to come and experience the peace and the hope born in this moment. And if you're anything like me, you could use some peace. You could use some quiet. You could use some hope. See, many of us have spent a lot of time in the last year focused on busyness and success and stuff. And I know that's true for us because we finished a series recently here about um, the Sabbath. And it was about the idea of rest. And I knew that we needed to do the series because I knew how much I needed to be reminded to take that time of rest and worship. And I knew that we needed to do it because as we began to teach that series, I saw all kinds of connections taking place among the people in this church and our family who felt like they needed to hear this too. Because something happened to us. We came out of a time of quiet. We came out of a time of, of, of peace that was forced upon us. And what we did with our lives is we moved right back into the anxiety, stress-filled, stuff-filled, busy lives that we had decided we were going to forsake and put behind us. Because there is something that draws us away from the peace and quiet into the busyness and into the anxiety and into the stress of life. There's just something about it. And we're bound to do it again if we're not careful. We'll come to New Year's Eve and we'll have all kinds of resolutions about what we want to do. And then we'll give it halfway through the year and we'll go, I just gave them up because I just got too busy. I lost track of what I thought I was supposed to be doing with my life. But what if this year instead, what if we took this invitation? What if we said, you know what? I'm not going back to the busyness and the anxiety. Uh, the, the, the scene of this story, this doesn't return back to Rome. Rome doesn't play a part till way later in the story. It doesn't reverse back to that. It stays with this gentle child who grows up into this man named Jesus and begins to teach people all throughout these villages and small towns out in the countryside his way of life, his way that he said is peaceful and restful a way that brings life to our souls. And he says, come and follow me. So the question is, will we come? Will we follow him into this place of peace and hope? Will we follow these shepherds as they leave this, this, these fields behind, as they go right over the hills and they go into Bethlehem and say, they see this quiet scene as the king of kings, as the prince of peace, as the one who brings hope was born? Will we come to that scene? Will we come to that place? Maybe you'll find a similar truth watching Hallmark movies. But here's what I know. They won't change your life the way following Jesus will. See, in Jesus, we'll find true peace, everlasting peace, hope that doesn't fade. We find purpose for our lives that goes beyond anything we would ever know. So today, here's what I want us to invite us to do. I want to invite you. At the end of this little film that we've been talking about, to stand with those shepherds 
to stand in that moment of receiving the good news of Jesus, the one who, who plans to bring you peace and life into your life, will you follow those shepherds? Will you walk with them into that quiet little village? Will you go into that small town in the peace and quiet of this moment and find the Savior of the world who invites you, who invites me home? And here's what I promise. I know this. In that place, you will find belonging. You will find family. You will find home. You will find hope. And you'll find peace. So let's walk away from all the stress, all the anxiousness, everything the world has promised to us that just it can't provide. And let's follow those shepherds into that little small town and find the everlasting hope and peace of Jesus. God, we are so thankful for this story. God, that in it, we are invited. That this is not a story that sits on the pages of Scripture, but is a story that continues to be written today. Written on our hearts as each one of us is invited and accepts chooses to come, to follow, to worship. God, we thank you for this day, for this family gathered here. We thank you for the generations that are represented here today in this family. We thank you for the children who remind us of all of that peace and hope wrapped up in their lives. God, would we see that our stories are not yet written. And in these moments we come and we follow you finding peace and hope born in that manger, in that little small town of Bethlehem. Amen.